focus on headline. And we have some major issues to delve in through for a focus on headline. And for that, we have our reporter Choi Ji-hee and Kim Min-ji in the studio. Good evening, guys. Good evening. Good evening. So usually on Thursday, it's Sochi Day, but right. today it's Ji Min Day. Oh, oh. <laughs> or it's Sochi Min. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That was very creative. <laughs> okay, Sochi Min in the studio today. So let's start off with... Uh, some big headlines. We have uh, North Korea topping the headlines uh, this Thursday. So first off, South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff said in a brief statement uh, early Thursday, a missile was launched from the North's capital region toward the North's eastern waters, but that the launch was believed to have ended in failure. So Ji, please start us off. Sure. So South Korea said North Korea fired a ballistic missile toward the sea, but the launch likely failed Wednesday night, hours after Seoul said it would resume frontline aerial surveillance in response to this spy satellite launch. However, no further details such as what type of missile was fired and what happened to it weren't given. Now, the North fired the missile from Pyongyang at 11.05 p.m. Wednesday, according to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And before the North's anticipated space rocket launch on Tuesday, USS Carl Vinson, a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, visited a naval base in Busan, which is 320 kilometers southeast of Seoul. Now, the latest launch was North Korea's first known weapons firing in more than two months, and it followed South Korea's announcement earlier Wednesday that it decided to partially suspend an inter-Korean agreement and resume flying surveillance aircraft along the border in reaction to the North satellite launch. Now, this we will talk about in more detail later on. And North Korea Thursday... Uh, lambasted the South Korean move, saying it'll deploy more powerful and new weapons at the border in uh, in response to all its actions. Now, meanwhile, the National Intelligence Service said that the success of the launcher uh, was likely due to Russian assistance and explained that at the time of the North Korea-Russia meeting, Putin publicly expressed his willingness to support the North Korean launcher itself. And after the meeting, it was confirmed that the North Korea provided uh, data related to the blueprints and the first and second stage launchers to Russia. And Russia provided the results of its analysis to the North. Now, North, the North has been claiming that uh, its missile launch was a success. And South Korea, the U.S., and Japan have strongly condemned the North satellite launch because they believe it was meant to improve the country's missile technology as well as establish a space-based surveillance system. However, as we all know, U.N. Security Council resolutions prohibit any satellite liftoffs by North Korea, viewing them as covers for testing its long-range missile technology. Now, the North says it has a sovereign right to launch satellites and is not abiding by these resolutions set by the Security Council. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also had uh, earlier breaking news on the Korean Peninsula regarding tensions uh, escalating as North Korea has announced it will no longer adhere to 
to the 2018 inter-Korean military agreement. Let's go into the details, Minzi. Well, sure. So the situation is very rapidly evolving in the Korean Peninsula. So in a dramatic move, North Korea declared today that it will resume all military actions on land, sea, and air, effectively nullifying the 2018 inter-Korean military agreement. So the announcement came in response to South Korea's suspension of certain provisions of the agreement following North Korea's recent launch of a military reconnaissance satellite named Malnigyang-1 on Tuesday. So the North Korean Defense Ministry in a statement reported by the KCNA stated that their satellite launch was a legitimate exercise of their own sovereign right to self-defense. So they criticized South for uh, suspending provisions of the agreement, calling it a deliberate and provocative provocative action. North Korea, in a further escalation, threatened to deploy more powerful sources and new military equipment in the, de- in the military demarcation line, the MDL area, and they asserted that the 2018 North-South military agreement had become an empty shell due to South Korea's actions. Uh, South Korea, in response to the satellite launch, decided to suspend the no-fly zone established in the agreement and promptly deployed surveillance and reconnaissance assets to resume monitoring North Korea. So the situation is undeniably very tense, with North Korea warning that South Korea will be solely responsible for any irreversible conflict between the two Koreas. The defense ministry concluded that any future agreements with North Korea would be unacceptable, citing a lack of trust and North Korea's tendency to renounce the commitments. Uh, So do we have any uh, details on the response of uh, South Korea's defense ministry? Uh, Sure. So at a briefing today, Defense Ministry spokesperson Chun Ha-gyu said that the South Korean military will closely monitor North Korea's future actions and take countermeasures to protect our people. And regarding the possibility of future clashes between the two Koreas along the military demarcation line area, Chun said that deterrence is achieved by force, emphasizing that the South Korean military is prepared for any future clashes. So he also said that if North Korea Korea provoked, South Korea will respond immediately and strongly and to the end based on the defense posture and capabilities of the U.S. Rock Alliance. Mm-hmm. And uh, the partial suspension uh, of the 2018 military agreement with North Korea will follow stronger military surveillance for the warning defying North. Mm-hmm. See, you have more. Right. So South Korea will be stepping up military surveillance along the heavily fortified border with North Korea. This following the suspension of a clause in the 2018 military agreement with the North. According to the U.S. State Department, the United States regards South Korea's partial suspension of this 2018 inter-Korean military tension reduction agreement as a quote-unquote prudent and restrained response to North Korea's repeated violations of it. A State Department official said the suspension will restore surveillance and reconnaissance activities along the South Korean side of the MDL, separating the two Koreas, uh, thus improving the South's ability to monitor North Korean threats. And the same spokesperson said the United States supports efforts to manage and reduce military tensions on the Korean Peninsula and across the globe through military coordination, transparency, and risk reduction measures. 
Now, meanwhile, NATO's Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg strongly condemned the launch of a military satellite by the DPRK using ballistic missile technology in violation of multiple UN Security Council resolutions. He said the act raises tensions and poses a serious risk to regional and international security. And adding on, Stoltenberg said North Korea must stop its reckless behavior, as well as abandon all its nuclear and ballistic missile programs, and also engage in diplomacy in good faith. He said NATO stands in solidarity with its partners in the region, this including, of course, South Korea, Japan, Australia, and even New Zealand. And as if this was not enough, uh, tensions are expected to continue to rise on the Korean peninsula as North Korea declares the successful launch of its military reconnaissance satellite, the Malikyong-1, which uh, means I think you briefly mentioned before. So the focus shifts to assessing whether the satellite is indeed operational. Well, with the successful launch of North Korea's Malikyang-1, questions loom over whether uh, it is operational or not. Uh, Military officials aimed to analyze this as early as the coming weekend. Defense Minister Shin Wan-sik indicated a preliminary assessment that the satellite has entered a normal orbit, emphasizing the potential threat if North Korea gains space surveillance capability. However, just because a satellite is in orbit doesn't necessarily guarantee its success. According to Chang Yang-gun from the Institute for National Security Strategy, the initial operation is critical. The solar panels must be deployed to charge batteries and communications with the ground control station in Pyongyang must also be established. North Korea actually claims that its leader Kim Jong-un saw the aerospace photos over Guam, suggesting um, Um, successful communication. However, analysts question the authenticity, noting the color of the imagery, which is unlike the typical satellite photos, and they also raise concerns of possible deceptions that it may not be actually taken by the Malikyang-1. Defense Minister Shin Woo-sik dismissed North Korea's announcement of the satellite's official reconnaissance mission from December 1st, calling it an exaggerated assessment. He expects the U.S. and South Korea to determine the satellite status by the end of the week. North Korea has launched satellites twice before the Gwangmyeongsong-2 in December 2012 and uh, the Gwangmyeongsong-4 in February 2016, but their operational status remains unconfirmed. The technology on the launch vehicle is expected to be crewed with a resolution of only 3 meters on the camera, as revealed in the analysis of the debris from the previous launch. Analysts speculate on potential improvements, questioning if North Korea actually acquired high-quality components from outside the country, either through assistance or smuggling. So we will have to keep an eye on further developments. We will definitely have to uh, keep an eye on uh, the following situation, especially with uh, North Korea's development of uh, its technological uh, development has become a greater concern with its recent cooperation with Russia as well. And speaking of which, that brings us to our next piece of news. Uh, A Russian VIP military jetliner flew to North Korea hours after its satellite launch. This is a flight by plane that has visited North Korea multiple times amid concerns about this space cooperation between the two countries. Tihi, tell us more. 
Sure. So a Russian military aircraft flew to Pyongyang on Wednesday. This was less than a day after North Korea launched a military spy satellite in space. Uh, aviation. Uh, this is according to aviation tracking data. Now, the flight by the Russian Air Force uh, Ilyushin to 62M. It's a very long name, and I'm not sure if I'm uh, pronouncing it right, but it's a passenger plane. Again, it's drawing attention to military cooperation between the two countries. After the U.S. alleged uh, the North Korea was supplying weapons to Moscow, potentially in return for technical assistance with its space program. So with the help of Russia, North Korea apparently is able to develop its space program as well as its missile programs. And the plane arrived in Pyongyang around 12.30 p.m. This is Korea time after a roughly one-hour flight from Vladivostok, according to a flight tracking website. Now, the purpose of the flight remains unclear, though the timing is notable. So uh, so it was so soon after the satellite launch of North Korea. And a project assistant professor at the Research Center for Advanced Science and Technology of the University of Tokyo told NK News that it's certainly possible North Korea received technical assistance from Russia, both in short and long-term forms. And he went on to say the plane could have carried senior officials and technicians from Russia to take part in meetings, but also to consult North Koreans on technological issues. So this likely ranging from the transfer of hardware to sharing even data. So in this case, it's possible the Russian officials went to North Korea to check on the data and other things related to last night's launch. And uh, this suggests that the plane's uh, November 7th flight could have been related to pre-launch consultations. Now, this passenger flight made a similar unannounced trip to the North Korean capital from Vladivostok on the 7th of November and returned to Russia on the 11th of the same month. And it appears to be the same aircraft that flew to North Korea in August as well, just days after Russian Defense Minister Sergei uh, Shaigu uh, visited Pyongyang for military talks and meetings with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. This uh, working hand-in-hand between Pyongyang and Moscow does really seem to be a growing concern because we hear a lot of times when North Korea is trying to, you know, uh, build a new missile and launch a new missile. In many cases, uh, it fails. Mm -hmm. But if we do have Russia helping out the North, we might see even more tests and also maybe more successful tests Mm -hmm. in the coming Mm -hmm. years, which we, of course, do not hope will happen. But uh, there has also been a concerning report from the International Atomic Energy Agency regarding North Korea's nuclear activities. The IAEA chief has raised alarms about a potential escalation in the country's nuclear program. Minzi, fill us in on that. Sure. So the IAEA Director General, Rafael Grossi, has delivered a stark warning during the agency's Board of Governors meeting in Vienna. He revealed evidence of increased activity at North Korea's key nuclear complex in Yongbyon, just 100 kilometers 
kilometers north of Pyongyang. Grossi reported a strong water outflow from the cooling system of a light water reactor, or the LWR, at the complex, which suggests possible test running of the facility aimed at producing more fissile material for nuclear bombs. Grossi emphasized that these observations align with the commissioning of the LWR, highlighting continuous activities at Yongbyon. He labeled North Korea's nuclear program as a clear violation of the UN Security Council resolution. The IHEA chief disclosed that the 5-megawatt reactor, which was shut down for several weeks, now shows indications of operation. And additionally, there are signs of ongoing activity at the reported centrifuge enrichment facility and its annex. Grossi expressed deep regret over North Korea's nuclear activities and called upon the country to comply fully with its obligations under relevant UN resolutions, urging cooperation with the IAEA in implementing its NPT safeguard agreement. The IAEA chief highlighted the Pungeri nuclear test site's readiness to support a nuclear a new nuclear test, describing it as a cause for serious concern. He stressed the agency's continued readiness to play a crucial role in verifying North Korea's nuclear program. We've been talking a lot about a possible seventh nuclear test by mm-hmm. North Korea. I think it's been over a year now that we have been uh, forecasting that. So far, nothing has happened. However, uh, these uh, continuous operations of these facilities do uh, bring about enough concern. Now, let's shift over to diplomacy. We're going to talk about President Yoon Song-yeol's trip to the UK, and we're also going to have an assessment uh, about this uh, by an later by an expert. But first, uh, let's go into the details of uh, what has come out. The South Korea and the UK agreed to cooperate on a wide range of strategic areas for national and economic security, including deterring missile threats from North Korea. North Korea again. So tell us more, Mm -hmm. Tihi. Sure. So the Secretary of State for Science, Innovation and Technology, uh, Michelle Donnellan, has signed a deal with the Republic of Korea to expand collaboration on science and technology, this including artificial intelligence and quantum computing. Among the focus areas will be what the Department of Science, Innovation and Technology describes as a new dialogue on quantum. And this, it said, will include talent exchanges as well. The UK-Korea science deal was unveiled at the Royal Society and South Korea's President Yoon Seok-yeol and the Duchess of Edinburgh and Donnellan attended this event, marking the deal's signing. Now, Donnellan, along with ministers of trade, industry and energy, as well as science and ICT of Korea, signed the agreement, which forms part of a new bilateral accord that also aims to deepen ties on defense, trade and investment. Now, the science department said the UK and the Republic of Korea share a close relationship. And Donnellan said uh, Korea is a tech powerhouse and a vital partner to the UK and that we share the same values and face the same challenges uh, from creating future jobs and industries fit for the AI age to bringing the power of science to bear bear on climate change and supporting aging populations as well. And he went on to say, as part of the new accord between our two countries, this raft of agreements will future prove 
improve our relationship for decades to come, which is a partner partnership that is already bearing fruit as we work closely together on the next AI safety summit. Now, the deal covers an agreement between the UK and South Korea to work together to harness the potential of critical technologies such as AI, quantum, as well as semiconductors to create new jobs and unlock economic growth alongside a new £4.5 million pound fund to create joint search research and innovation partnerships. And see, the foreign ministers of the two countries also had a bilateral meeting, I believe. <laughs> so tell us some of the key agendas discussed during that meeting. Right. So Minister of Foreign Affairs Park Jin, who accompanied President Yoon on his state visit to the UK, held separate talks with British Foreign Secretary David Cameron to discuss the North Korea-Russia arms deal. Now, the two sides condemned the North Korean arms deal and emphasized the need for a decisive and united response from the international community. Now, Park also raised the seriousness of North Korea's theft of virtual currency, and the two ministers looked forward to continuing to work together on this issue during South Korea's two-year term as a non-permanent member of the Security Council, which will start next year. Now, the two ministers also exchanged views on the situation in Ukraine and the Middle East and agreed to cooperate on regional issues as global strategic partners. Now, Park also invited Cameron to South Korea uh, to make a significant contribution to the development of the ROK-UK relations based on his rich diplomatic experience gained during his tenure as prime minister. And uh, staying with uh, South Korea-UK ties, in a significant development for the aerospace industry, Korea Aerospace Industries, or in short, KAI, has signed a memorandum of understanding with the UK branch of missile manufacturing specialist MBDA Group. Minji, bring us the details. Sure. So the Korea Aerospace Industry, known as KAI, has announced a groundbreaking memorandum of understanding with the MBDA Group in the UK to establish a strategic partnership. The MOU signing ceremony took place in London during President Yoon suk yeols state visit to the United Kingdom. So the ceremony was held on the sidelines of the Korea-UK Business Forum, a part of the Economic Delegations Tour. Key figures present included Minister of Trade, Industry and Energy, Park Myung-Moon-Gyu, U.S. Secretary of State for Business, Innovation and Skills, Kemi Beidnog. UK, uh, you mean? Uh, you, uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, UK. Uh, and uh, Kai CEO Kang Gu Yang and uh, Chris Alam uh, representing the MBDA UK. So through this MOU, Kai and MBDA will collaborate to enhance the armament capabilities of Korean-made aircraft and exchange crucial marketing information for potential exporters. The partnership aims to expand into export campaigns for uh, of fighter jets and armament packages in the future. Kai anticipates that this collaboration leveraging MBDA's aircraft system integration capabilities and KAI's armament technology expertise will boost the competitiveness of the Korea-made aircraft. Notably, it includes the FA-50 light attack aircraft and the KF-21 Korea supersonic fighter. The partnership aims to create synergies targeting potential export markets. So the KAI CEO Kang Goo-young emphasized that the rising global demand for 
for diverse armaments in the export market, expressing the intention to work closely with MBDA to propose enhanced domestic fighter aircraft to potential customers. Meanwhile, Kai is intensifying its marketing efforts in Egypt, which is thought to be a strategic point in Africa. And additionally, the company is also exploring entry into the U.S. market. So Kai envisions su substantial success, projecting that the F-A-50's entry in the U.S. market could result in a scale of 1,300 units securing over 50% of the global advanced training aircraft and light combat aircraft market through the expanded exports to friendly nations. And uh, Minzi, this appears to be a significant uh, development for the defense industry, and it has been said that Hanwha Aerospace has secured a major contract with BAE Systems of the United Kingdom. Tell us more. Sure. So the Hanwha Aerospace, a key player in the defense sector, has just announced today that it signed a milestone contract with the BAE Systems in the UK. The deal involves the supply of modularized cartridges at the MCS for 155mm artillery shells used by NATO member states. So the expert value of this contract is a substantial 175.9 billion Korean won, which is around 1.4 billion US dollars, marking the first time HANA Aerospace has exported munitions for the NATO standard 155mm artillery shell. So the MCS plays a crucial role in the artillery system, serving as a cylindrically uh, modularized propulsion charge. So it is a core ammunition component that actually propels the warhead out of the gun barrel at a predetermined range. Son Jae-il, CEO of Hanwha Aerospace, expressed the significance of this achievement, stating that with the, the first export of MCS for NATO member states, we will expand our cooperation with UK defense companies in various fields to expand South Korea's defense exports and contribute to the security of the free zone. And in addition to the contract with the BAE Systems, HANA Aerospace has also signed a comprehensive business cooperation MOU on the 22nd with Babcock, a prominent British defense company. So this, uh, so the Babcock International Group operates in defense, energy, and military support, holding a unique position in the United Kingdom, particularly in the maintenance and parts procurement. So the MOU outlines a collaborative effort for the global business development across land, sea, and air, and the partnership aims to explore various opportunities in the defense fields and enhance Korea's defense exports. So HANA Aerospace actually sees this as an opportunity not only to strengthen its presence in the international defense market, but also to contribute to the security landscape. I believe this could be another milestone in uh, making Korea one of the top defense exporters in the coming years. Now, another highlight of President Yoon's state visit, meanwhile, to the UK is uh, his invitation to a dinner hosted by the Lord Mayor of the City of London at Guildhall. Ji, you have more. 
Right. So South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol attended a banquet at the Guildhall in London's financial district, along with the host, Lord Mayor of the City of London, Michael Minnelli, on Wednesday, uh, 22nd November, local time. Now, this was the latest engagement in the South Korean leader's state visit following his talks with Rishi Sunak at Downing Street. And for this three-hour banquet, more than 400 people attended. And on the British side, the Duke and uh, Duchess of Gloucester, uh, Secretary of State for Business, Secretary of State for uh, Business and Trade, Kemi uh, Badenoch, Members of the London City Council, as well as some other London business and financial figures were in attendance as well. And on the Korean side, business leaders, including Samsung Electronics Chairman Lee Jae-yong and LG Group Chairman Koo Gang-mo and other groups, as well as uh, government officials, including Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Economy and Finance Chu Kyung-ho, as well as Ministers Park Jin and more attended. Now, President Yoon expressed his appreciation for the UK's commitment to spreading the values of democracy, human rights, and the rule of law worldwide. He also acknowledged the support of the international community, including the Gloucestershire uh, Regiment, which served during the Korean War in helping Korea recover from the scars of war. He also highlighted the importance of the friendship between the UK and South Korea, which was forged through blood, shared values, and mutual trust, and also expressed his hope for a prosperous future for both countries. Now, he also referred to the Downing Street Agreement adopted during his visit, expressing his confidence that it would lead to a new future for Korea and the UK. Uh, Meanwhile, the mayor congratulated Kimchi Day as well, which was Mm. on the 22nd uh, yesterday, uh, Korea time, an occasion to enjoy the traditional Korean dish. And he also mentioned the growing popularity of K-pop and K-content, including the visit of Blackpink to Buckingham Palace and dramas such as Crash Landing on Love and Hotel de Luna. Right. I did see some uh, videos regarding Blackpink mm. there. And uh, also Kimchi Day. I think this is also very significant as we talked about this before. I mm. believe that uh, more and more countries right. are having their own Kimchi Day, which yeah. I think is really, uh, you know, another, you know, very highlight of South Korea's mm. um, spreading of its culture. And uh, also some good news for Korea and uh, its status on the international stage, I have to say. South Korea secures a seat on the United UNESCO World Heritage Committee for a four-year term until 2027. Let's get more details, Minzi. Sure. So South Korea has been elected to the UNESCO World Heritage Committee for the fourth time, according to the Cultural Heritage Administration. The decision was made during the 24th session of the General Assembly of the State Parties to the Convention for the Protection of the World Cultural and Neutral Heritage held at the UNESCO headquarters in Paris. So this marks South Korea's fourth term in the committee, having been previously elected in 1997, 2005, 
2005 and 2013. The country secured one of the two seats designated for an Asia-Pacific nations during this session. The South Korean Foreign Ministry hailed the achievement, attributing it to the country's active diplomacy and its substantial contributions to the World Heritage Institution. The ministry expressed its commitment to playing a leading role in the development of the World Heritage Institution, particularly addressing new challenges such as climate change and fostering coexistence between regional communities and heritage. The UNESCO World Heritage Committee holds a significant authority as it makes the final decision on whether the property is included in the prestigious World Heritage List. Additionally, the committee reviews conservation condition reports for already listed properties. And in addition to South Korea, eight other countries, including Ukraine, Vietnam, and Kenya, have also joined the committee. So this diverse representation reflects the global significance of the committee's work. South Korea's role in the UNESCO World Heritage Committee not only highlights its commitment to preserving cultural and natural treasures, but also position the country has as a key player in the international heritage uh, conservation efforts. All right, now let's uh, shift over to some domestic news. Uh, The country has been seeing a significant increase in illegal drug trafficking by travelers as of late. Uh, This has prompted South Korea's government's introduction of measures against drug crimes, including enhanced border inspection. Mm -hmm. See, tell us more. Right, so the government has recently announced a set of measures that's aimed at tackling illegal drug trafficking and usage, uh, with a focus on improving border inspections. Now, these measures involve cracking down on drug smuggling, implementing better oversight of medical purpose drugs, as well as expanding rehabilitation programs. Now, to prevent smuggling, the government plans to enhance screening at air and sea ports by introducing state-of-the-art scanners that can inspect the whole body. Moreover, officials will conduct inspections of all entrants from countries with a high incidence of drug crimes by checking their carry-on baggage and examining them immediately upon disembarking airplanes at airports before immigration. However, the specific countries were not immediately disclosed. Now, to prevent overdose, the government plans to tighten the regulation of medical purpose drugs such as sleeping pills and anesthetic drugs by increasing the prescription threshold. And doctors will also be required to review the prescription records of all patients to prevent them from receiving multiple multiple prescriptions from different hospitals. Uh, as we know, like all the celebrity-related drug mm. use uh, cases involve medical doctors who give unprescribed drugs, uh, such as these pills and anesthetic drugs. So I guess they're cracking down on them more strictly. And additionally, the government will adopt an AI-based system to promptly detect and analyze potential overdose cases, uh, identifying such instances for further investigation. And also to expand support for drug addicts in their rehabilitation, the government aims to increase the number of government-run centers from 3 to 17 by next year. And also it plans to cover the costs of drug rehabilitation programs with national health insurance, which will reduce patients' expenses to around 30%. Right. uh, We unfortunately hear more and more news regarding Mm -hmm. drugs in Korea, although really compared to some other countries, uh, drug issues have not been really that big. 
big in Korea. So I believe prevention, all of these uh, early prevention mm-hmm. measures will help a lot, I hope. So let's uh, cross our fingers that we do not have to talk m- much more about these mm-hmm. drug-related issues. Now, we will wrap up now with uh, a disrupt- disruption that we had in South Korea's public procurement services, electronic procurement system, Nara Changto. Uh, the network was down for a brief period, but authorities acted swiftly to restore services. Minji, you have more on this. Well, South Korea's critical electronic procurement system, Nara Changto, faced a temporary failure today, causing concern about its impact on glo- government uh, procurement tasks. According to the public procurement service, Nara Changto went offline at 9.19 a.m. today, and officials immediately launched emergency checks, and remarkably, the system was back up and running by 10.20 a.m., within just an hour of the reported issue. The public procurement service assured that the public that Nara Zangto is currently operating normally, and the Nara Zangto system of the public procurement system is managed by the National Information Resource Management Agency, which is under the Ministry of Interior and Safety. However, it is not yet confirmed whether this incident is actually linked to the recent three-day outage of the government administration computer network. Now, shifting gears, there was also a disruption around noon yesterday affecting local governments and community centers nationwide. This time, it was the resident registration system used by officials at resident centers that experienced a temporary overload, causing delays in access. Various certificates, including original resident registration cards, drafts, and seals were temporarily unavailable. The Ministry of Interior attributed the incident to a temporary system overload and managed to restore access by 12 OP. 5 p.m., just 20 minutes after the disruption. Let's hope there were not too many inconveniences during the time. And uh, thank you very much for those reports today, Ji and Minji. And uh, I will see you back outside the studio. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.